listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I am your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find me on Twitter at Astros Future and on my website, AstrosFuture.com. I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Dorn. You can find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. It's been a a little while since we've been on here today. We're going to just take a general look around the minor leagues. Um, and then we'll do a quick stock report on the system, which we're going to start with. So, Kenny, before we get into AAA, before we get into the minors, we talked about this a little bit. We want to talk about a couple guys whose stock has been on the rise. So I'm going to let you go first. What's one guy in the Astros system that you've seen that their stock is, is, is going up? Yeah, you know, this past weekend I spent, you know, my 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 days in Sugarland, uh, and I saw Hunter Brown pitch, uh, 243 ERA, 46 strikeouts over 33 in the third innings this season. And on Friday, he came out, he came in relief, uh, relieved Brandon Belak, who struggled a little bit uh, in the first two innings. And in four innings uh, pitch, Hunter Brown punched out five, didn't allow a hit, a run, or a walk, had no base runners, punched out five, four perfect innings in relief for Hunter Brown, just continuing to show that he deserves to be on the 40-man roster at some point this season, maybe a spot start late in the year or a long relief stint. Uh, he just continues to try to push his way onto the roster. And at this point, I think that's the best chance he has to get on there and you looking at this major league team that's in front of you this is my question for you Jimmy what role would Hunter Brown have if he did make the 40-man roster at some point in this season yes yeah, so that's actually something I was going to talk about so given let's say the Astros rotation is healthy and you know right now with if Oda Rizzi I don't know what the timeline is on him for coming back but when he was there you know we were pushing six starters and that's with McCullers out McCullers just starting to throw again now so I would love to see him in the rotation, but you wonder if, if early on, if they could just use him as a, as a reliever, you know, I think we saw the white Sox do that with Chris sale when he was drafted and brought up and, and he pitched him relief, like maybe his first year or two. And there, I know there's been other guys, maybe just use him in a high leverage relief, maybe a seventh, eighth inning and, or a guy, especially in the playoffs and the Astros get there, maybe a, a starter gets kind of run off in the fourth and you need someone to kind of be that fireman role that, that Chris Davinsky role when he was really good at it, where he can, you know, soak up three, four innings, but give you, an elite performance in those three or four innings. So cracking the rotation, I think, would be tough. I mean, I'd love to see him get a chance. I think he can He can probably – I know Oda Rizzi was pitching really well, but I think he can maybe give you what Oda Rizzi was and a little bit more. But, yeah, I think there's a role for him somewhere on this team for sure. And you, we talked about this past weekend, he cracked like 98 miles per hour in his fastball, something he's been doing a lot. Right. He's consistently hitting it. I know there was a few outliers where he kind of dipped into 95, 96, but consistently he's touching 98. And you put that in the back end of the bullpen. Exactly. That's a guy who can, you know, maybe be a starter in the future, but he can give you two innings of relief, consistent, consistency at the top half of the 90s on his fastball. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, you know, and that's, that's, he's, he was hitting 98 in his like, you know, third, fourth inning versus, I mean, if you, if he had one inning to go, what could he be doing? But yeah, slider was coming in the low 90s. He's got that big breaker, which is like low to mid 80s. And yeah, I think if you put him out there, it was like, hey, your goal is to go get three outs. You know, he could, he could do just that. Uh, I think, oh, another guy that we saw get called up, and that was a little bit, but David Price, I remember he was kind of pitched in a relief role as well early on. But yeah, I definitely think there's a chance for him on the, on this Astros ball, uh, ball club. And, you know, they're playing pretty good baseball right now, but never hurts to have another 
good bullpen arm or another spot starter if needed, if there's any more injuries. But I'll go to my uh, my stock up right now and a guy who had a, a phenomenal game today. We're recording this on a Sunday. Had a great game today. So it just so happened to be a, a good timing for me to choose this. But Emmanuel Valdez, I mean, the guy has had a really, really good season. He kind of jumped on on everyone's board last year. I think he had 25 home runs, led the, led the Astro system in home runs and RBIs. But a lot of people wanted to see could he do it at a higher level because Asheville is where he started at. Pretty hitter friendly. I think it's like 290 maybe or 300 down the right field line. It's pretty, pretty short. He got promoted double A. Homers were still there and the average was down a little bit. Everyone wanted to see him do it at a higher level. Well, this year we're at, we're May 22nd. He's sitting 339. He's got 11 doubles, eight homers, 28 RBIs. Coming into today, he had a 17.1 walk percentage, 21.9 K percentage. So really respectable numbers. And the walk has gone up this year. The strikeouts have gone down compared to his time last year in double A. I think people will overlook him, you know, based on his size. I mean, he's, he's five now. He's listed at like five nine, one ninety. Uh, plays second base, probably can play some third. Uh, I think they actually used him in like left field or something recently too. But with the bat, man, the guy's he's been phenomenal this year. And every week, I I keep stats to try try to figure out who's the player of the week. And every time he's on that list, like he's hitting he's hitting three thirty nine for the season. But every week, it's like he's hitting three thirty three, two bombs. 400 a couple bombs or you know 313 which is like a down week for him but uh, a really good season for him man his stock is definitely rising and I know we talked about uh just you know off the record just about where this guy could go in the future and mm-hmm. um James Click was spotted in double a a few weeks ago just checking on the farm this is probably a guy who's turning heads and you know by the time late summer we start seeing these double a guys jump up to triple a some guys get traded cut it just depends on what the triple a team will look like when he gets to AAA, you know, I thought about, you know, what if he could play some first base? You know, he plays second and third. And like you said, you told me, he's like, he doesn't have the build. He probably doesn't have the build to be a regular first baseman. Down the line, where do you think he fits in a in a lineup? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'd have to see. I need, I'd have to go back and look. I know he's played some third base, some second base. Like, you know, could he play outfield? Could he almost be like a – you know, like, I mean, a, almost like a utility guy where he gives you time at second, third, left field, and, and maybe, you know, rotating through at DH. I, it's hard to it's hard to find a fit for him. It's, it's hard to find a fit for anybody on the Astros other than maybe, like, center field right now just based on where the – you know, how many good players the Astros have. I mean, maybe, maybe like you mentioned, first base. But if he keeps hitting like this, he's going to have to find a way on, on the roster some way or another right? if, if it's in a utility role or something. But – I'll take a look. I don't know if he's played any shortstop this year, but I know they've been moving him around, and and that's a good sign. I mean, we've seen that the versatility is big. We see what Elemis Diaz can do for the Astros. So if Valdez can be similar like that and, and providing the versatility, then it'll just help him get a get a chance sooner. And I just looked. Yeah, uh, Valdez has played fifty one. Well, last year played fifty one games at second, thirty at third base, two at shortstop. This year he's played. Uh, doesn't look like he's played any shortstop, but he has played three games in the outfield. So. It, it, if he could provide a little bit of depth, that shortstop, second, third outfield, maybe he's got a utility role and potentially more than that. I mean, you know, we saw Toro get a chance to, to be kind of a utility guy for us for a little bit before we ended up moving him, and, and maybe Valdez gets another opportunity like that. Uh, at this point, it'd probably have to be an injury. But we'll jump down to AAA. We'll, we'll start – we'll go to the, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Kind of been an up-and-down season so far. I don't remember what the record was last time we recorded, but they're at 16-26 right now. And, man, it seems like, you know, they'll have some really good pitching performances. We'll see the bats – breakout i think uh a week or two ago they had like 20 runs seven home runs which is a i think a record for the the, the sugarland uh, franchise and then they'll have some some games where the the numbers are just down and 
we'll, we'll start with the pitching staff. And you, you mentioned Hunter Brown. Obviously, he's been one of the main guys. It's been fun to watch. 2.43 RA, striking out a lot of guys. The bullpen has had some good performers. Brandon Belak, who we've seen in the Astros, has actually been pretty good. Uh, Anoli Paredes has kind of refound kind of refound what he what he was doing back in 2020. The walks are still a little bit of an issue, but he's he's gotten the strikeouts there and he's got an ERA at 0.56. Well, what, what's your take on the uh, pitching staff right now, Kenny? Yeah, and it's always kind of hard to evaluate uh, AAA Pacific Coast League uh, numbers. I, I was looking at the OPSs of all the teams in the AAA or in AAA right now, and one through six were all Pacific Coast teams, so AAA mm-hmm. West teams, and that's all because of elevation. Ball yeah. flies. Um, I thought maybe this season we might see a little bit different, maybe a different ball gets mixed in to kind of fix this issue, but you know, they have to make it equal across all leagues. Right. But, you know, just looking at Paredes, 22 Ks, 10 walks. Uh, he got into a jam. Uh, he had two, he got two quick outs, uh, juiced the bases the other day and then got out of it, got a big pump out of himself. And, you know, 0.56 ERA is one of the best in the triple in the triple A West. And Belak is another guy who's uh, been, out of the bullpen in long relief, but also picking up a lot of starts, 212 ERA, 29 strikeouts, over 29 innings. That's a guy who I thought the Astros would probably pick up uh, and drop Seth Martinez for a couple of days, bring Belak up, give him not, not just a spot start, but maybe a piggyback behind Christian Javier just right. to get him some more major league action because he's been pitching so well. And Parker Mashinsky, 11 innings, 11 and one-third innings, hasn't allowed a run, 13 strikeouts. Um, he's pitching phenomenal. I know he hasn't been up in the majors in a while, but definitely a guy who could maybe take Blake Taylor's spot for a while. Blake Taylor hasn't yeah. been optioned in his career, and Blake Taylor did not have a good outing on Sunday. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point for sure. Uh, you know, being the the left-hander, which we talked about with Bermudez also on the 40 band, but now you got Mashinsky as well. So he'll probably – I mean, he's going to get another chance at some point this year. On the offensive side, though, um, one thing that you, you kind of messaged me about yesterday – J.J. Matajevic, all of a sudden, I'm not sure what happened, but he ended up on the seven-day IL. Prior to that, I mean, he continued his hot hitting like he started, hitting 319. He's got eight homers, which is, uh, I believe, the most on uh, the Space Cowboys, and I believe it was leading the Astros system up until probably Valdez hit his eight today. But have you did you get any try, kind of information about what his injury may have been? No, I didn't, I didn't learn anything about it. Uh, he played Thursday, played pretty well, played some left field. He had a really good throw from left field into second. Goodrum kind of got in the way of the cutoff. Didn't, didn't hose the guy, but it was it was an obvious out if the ball got to Barreto at second. Uh, he looked good at the plate, um, has one of the best OPS in the Pacific Coast League. I know coming into the last six-game stretch, he had the best OPS. It was over 1,000 mm-hmm. in all of the AAA West. Uh, he was looking great offensively. Even when he came up and came back down, everything look, looked looked right. good on his end. There was no word about an injured list like or what his injury would be. Uh, he didn't play Friday, and then Saturday they announced that they put him on the seven-day. No word on how long he'll be there. But this also it's also something to note that he and Joe Perez are two guys that are on the 40-man that can come up if there's an injury. Both guys are on the injured list. Joe Perez has been on the injured list since uh, April. Yeah, and there was – I know we'll get to him in a second here when we talk about the hooks, but there's no information on that. But, yeah, and that's that's a little concerning when the guys on the 40-man are now injured as well. But there are other guys down in AAA that are, that are performing well. One is David Hensley. He's hitting 296. He's got uh, seven doubles, three triples. He has drawn a fair amount of walks, got an on-base percentage of above 400. Um, strikeouts are a little bit there, but for his first you know, time in AAA, I think he's definitely holding his own. And then Pedro Leon, we, we know about him. He's striking out quite a bit, but he's also – he's got 13 doubles, seven homers, 10 stolen bases, an OPS of about 900. So 
he's showing kind of what you want to see offensively with the power, the speed and stuff. Strikeouts are a little bit of an issue with Pedro Leon. And and I think that may always be there. I don't think that's ever going to go away 54. And I think like 39 games right now, but if he can provide that power, that speed, I mean, I'm not comparing him to George Springer, but we saw that with Springer coming up and early on in his career, the strikeouts were an issue, but you know, if you can provide that kind of pop and, and, uh, and defense as well with the speed, you know, you can, you can overcome uh, the issue with strikeouts for sure. Yeah, and another thing about Leon is everyone's talking about is he going to be a shortstop, center fielder. At this point, he's playing all of his innings in center field. Weirdly enough, today or on Sunday, he took a start at second base. Uh, he had two plays at second base. I was at the game Sunday. Uh, both throws a little bit shaky. Uh, he looked a little timid at the position. He had a, two easy outs. He got one of them. The other one, he was just slow to the ball, slow slow to the throw. And the whoever was running for OKC just beat him out. And mm-hmm. it just didn't look as comfortable there. Uh, there's battling some injuries there. Marty Costas is on the IL. Right. Matajevich is on the IL. So these depth pieces who are going to be playing around or moving around on the diamond, they've started three catchers at different positions, DH, catcher in first base on Sunday. So put, pick, putting Leon at second probably wasn't the first choice. It might have been just a test as well. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely just kind of battling those uh, injury bugs. Yeah, and maybe the versatility though will be good. And we, we talked about it with you know with Emmanuel Valdez, but a guy like Pedro Leon, we know he could play the outfield well, play all three positions well, and then they, he's got some time at shortstop, third base, and and now second base. I don't know if that was by design or not, but you know he if he can fill in at uh, basically six of the nine positions defensively, he'll have a better chance of making the Astros roster. But we'll jump down to Double A, and, and the hooks have been interesting. They same thing with the Space Cowboys. They've had some really good games, some really good offensive performances. This week has been a little bit better, um, but then they struggled some as well. And uh, we'll talk about Joe Perez. You mentioned he went on to the the seven day uh, IL. I think back on May fourth, so we're at eighteen days yet uh, now. And I don't really know what happened. And he's kind of had a rough season because he got called up. I think he's been up at what two or three times now with the Astros. Hasn't really gotten comfortable down at the plate and with the with double a and then bam gets hurt so we haven't seen a lot from him and a guy that was you know one of the the breakout prospects last year but hopefully he can get healthy because uh i expected him to have a big season make his way up to triple a and he's just it's bet it's awesome for him that he got called up to to the astros got put on the 40-man roster in the offseason but it's just unfortunate he hadn't really been able to to kind of stabilize at at a spot in the system right now and get going this season and, you know, right before he got put on the injury list, you know, we've talked about how the hooks have battled injuries. There's injuries all around in the top of the system. But Perez played some outfield. I uh, really wasn't always – I don't think he had many innings in the outfield in his minor league career. Uh, wasn't drafted that too long – or wasn't drafted too long ago. Played some right field. Um, you know, he's regularly a corner infielder, so that was right. also something that they were trying to add to his versatility. But, you know, hitting the injured list, and now uh, they don't disclose injuries for minor league players on the transaction page. Uh, we don't have – information like that but it's just weird that he's been out for so long yeah definitely but despite that there have been some some good performance uh, a guy justin dearden uh, article coming out on him soon but man he's had a, a really good season started kind of slow and has been absolutely on fire i think for the month of uh, may he's hitting well above 400 ops uh, is 935 now hitting 315 i think he leads the texas league in doubles at 15 hit another homer on sunday i think that was his third this week he's got five home runs left-handed hitter a little older because he was uh, an undrafted free agent back in 2020. But when you check out the article, I mean, he had an injury in college, had the, had COVID got, you know, went undrafted. I mean, kind of, kind of had some, uh, some, some curveballs really thrown at him, you know, no pun intended there, but had some curveballs thrown at him and, and he's kind of overcame that he's 24 now having a good season in double A. And I can't imagine it's going to be much longer before he gets into triple A. Like you mentioned the, the space Cowboys are really kind of needing some infielders at this point. 
But Dearden, it's looking – if he keeps this up, I mean, it's looking like he's ready for a new challenge. Yeah, he's, he's picking up where a, a lot is lost. Uh, talk about the injured list, Matthew Barefoot and Schreiber both yeah. went to the 60-day IL this month, and you, you're just seeing a lot of injuries all around. But it's opening up uh, new – I guess new opportunities guy like one undrafted, but those three outfielders, all old guys or older guys in the system, right. both neighboring 24, 25, 26 years old. Yeah. And then on the offensive side, again, Yonder Diaz is, is kind of doing what we expect them to do. He's hitting three ten, and the walk, I think he's only drawn a few walks. He's hit for a little bit of power, but he's hitting above 300. It seems like that's what he does for his career. I mean, you go back and look at his stats all the way to, to rookie ball and the guy just hits, he hits for average. And I see there, we got some notes down there. He's actually played a little bit at first base. Uh, or quite a bit at first base, quite a bit at catcher too in DH. So I don't know where he fits long term. You know, I don't ever want to take a, a guy out of position and say he's only he's only going to be a first baseman. But maybe the Astros look for that too. You know, I mean Maldonado's there right now. Got Corey Lee and Corey Lee's been playing some DH, uh, obviously in AAA. But maybe they look to to have a a catcher who can also do something else. So then they can rotate that position now. And you don't have one guy catching 140 games. And then come October, you know they're they're kind of broken down because they've had so many innings under their belt. Yeah, there's no true first baseman at the top of the system right now. We're not seeing that. You know, J.J. Matajevich right. might be, you know, seen as a true first baseman, but he also mm -hmm. plays left field. Yanir Diaz is playing more innings at first base, 139, than at catcher with only 122. Luke Berryhill, um, Jesus Alvarez, uh, both carrying the load behind the plate. And, uh, Luke Berryhill's having a pretty good season, too, hitting 252. Above 800 OPS, five homers, 20 RBI, 28 RBI. Yep. Just all around, this catching depth is looking better and better each year. Yeah, for sure. And Bear Hill kind of struggled to start the season a little bit, but he he's uh, he's really picked it up recently. I know he had a grand slam. I think it was on Friday. Then had a two-run homer on Saturday. So he's kind of started to pick it up as well. So good to see that. On the pitching side, there there hasn't been a lot of uh, a lot of positives, unfortunately. Jimmy Endersby has been like the main one. He's got a 2-4-1 ERA, 33 strikeouts or 31 strikeouts in 33 innings. Walks are a little bit of an issue, but I feel like he's kind of gotten those under control recently. They were an issue early, um, but we'll, we'll see what he does. He's another undrafted free agent from that 2020 class. Besides that, Jaime Melendez, a guy we were really excited about. Uh, the walks have just been a huge issue. He's, he's walked 25 and 24 innings as a 7.30 ERA, and just overall the squad is – has kind of suffered, you know, on the pitching side of things. Yeah, and you see more uh, along the lines. As the season progresses, more guys get assigned. Uh, people are sitting in Florida, maybe rehabbing injuries that we don't know about, maybe waiting on assignments that are, haven't come. And someone like Chandler Casey, uh, he was assigned uh, around, you know, mid to late April, and now he's a 2-7 ERA in 13 point one innings of relief and he was a 26 round pick in 2019 just one of those guys that was later pick but he's showing off really well in, in relief right now yeah and I'm, I'm pulling it up now I mean I know like you know they've had some guys that just recently got promoted Adrian Chidez uh, Derek West and they've had have had a little bit of struggles but Devin Kahn has been pretty solid in relief oh you know Missy Altamares I forgot about him yeah he's he's got a 3.00 ERA the walks have been a little bit of an issue but man if you watch him pitch you can see why you know, people are so excited about him. I mean, he's hitting 97, pretty regular, um, a, a nice off-speed pitch. He's got 31 strikeouts and 27. He's only 22 years old, so he's definitely got to continue to watch. Yeah, and I guess just this double-A team is we, – we've seen it a few times. I don't know if we mentioned this on the last podcast or it might have happened before, but Jose Alvarez, who's a catcher, had to come in and pitch uh, two innings late into a game because they just ran out of pitching. It was a bullpen right. game. Uh, Joe, Joe Record started the game. And if you don't know Joe Record is, you know, he's a mainly a reliever. He goes about two innings, two to three innings when he can, if he can push it. And it's just 
this team's just taken a pretty big uh, bite from injuries on that pitching staff. Jose Bravo, one of their main uh, starters, he's back from the injured list, but guys like Nick Hernandez had to go down and just kind of help with that bullpen. Johansi Torres, who's actually started the year triple A mm-hmm. is in double A now just because of right. struggles, but yeah. there's just a lot of issues in that middle part of the organization regarding pitching. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that'll get worked out. And it seems like the play has been better of late for most of the teams. So uh, hopefully things are trending in the right direction, but that's going to do it for the first segment. In the next segment, we're going to take a look at the lower minors answer some trivia questions and then look at some Twitter questions as well. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. So we'll get right into the Taurus High A, Asheville Taurus. They're 14 and 24. When you look at the record overall, you may think that's a, they're, it's a little, little rough, but they start out the season really, really, really poor. I think they're like maybe 12 and 10 over the last 22 games, something like that. And it's really been the, the offense that's kind of got going. J.C. Correa started this season pretty slow, but he's hitting 282 now, three homers. 13 walks to 13 strikeouts this season. So a guy that's not striking out a, a lot, drawing a little bit of walks. He's got three homers. I think they've all came in the last two weeks. So Jordan Brewer, we saw him start the season well, OPS of about 900, but I believe he, uh, I believe he's on the IL now. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but uh, but Kenny, what's your take on the Taurus right now? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of guys in here that are from, you know, drafted out of college recently. And mm-hmm. Jordan Brewer was sparking a lot of interest, sparking a lot of talk on Twitter, just because he was kind of piecing everything together. Uh, for a little bit, he was battling injury the last two seasons, wasn't really finding a stride, but, you know, I think the speed is flashing, uh, the, the power is flashing, he's getting on base. And I, I, like you said, I haven't really, I haven't seen him hit the injured list, but he he hasn't been playing consistently. Uh, sometimes there's just a little lingering stuff that might be keeping him out. Just overall, like, like you said, I looked at the record today, 14 and 24, and I was really surprised that it was only 10 games from 500 because they were off to a really rough start. Yeah, this week has been a lot better. I think last week they went five and one was, was the best in the system. But another guy who's who's had a, a really steady performance, it's crazy when you look at his numbers, Michael Sandal. The Astros drafted him. I believe he was a uh, – looking here. He was a 10th-round pick last year. So his senior year at uh, South Alabama had a 9-11 OPS, 11 homers, 50 RBIs. Last year in Fayetteville in, in, uh, in 35 games had an 889 OPS. This year in 33 games in Asheville, he's had an 896 OPS. So he's been consistent. In college, low A, high all the way through. He's got six homers, 22 RBIs, 12 doubles, hitting 292. I mean, it just seems like all he's going to do is hit. You know, he may not hit for a ton of power. He may not draw a ton of walks, but he finds a way to get hits. He finds a way to get on base. He's a little older at 23, but these are guys that I think, as especially when the draft comes around, because we've talked about how the system is, is lower in terms of prospects. We the You mentioned the injuries, the barefoot, Shriver. Whenever the draft comes around, we get that influx of talent. I think you'll see a lot of these guys get challenged, and Michael Sandel's probably a guy who's ready to get challenged in A, just based on his performance so far, what he's done in the Astro system. He's hitting 289 in 68 games between low A and high A. I think he's he's probably ready for A at this point, ready to get that challenge at least. I've noticed more of a trend of, like, over the last couple of years, a lot older outfielders in the system a lot more mm-hmm. college selected players like Michael Sandel and other guys you know still in high a and low a and I was looking at the the depth chart for the hooks and you know there's still like six outfielders on that team some guys who could maybe from the infield play some outfield but if you're going to excel in high a might as well push yourself up you know we don't see guys from double a always go back down we don't get to see guys from triple a always go back down but if guys like Michael Sandel and Jordan Brewer are playing playing better than don't need to be playing in high a, then they can push them, push themselves up. You know, there's a lot of injuries at that top part of the system and there's spots for them. 
Yeah. And then there's, there's, you know, like you mentioned that there's a lot of outfield depth and a lot of high potential. I mean, you got a guy like Zach Daniels, who was a pretty high pick and potential with some of the home runs and the speed. Uh, but another guy, the Astros drafted out of college. He was a senior. Will Wagner is also a good start this year hitting 297. He's got more walks and strikeouts has a, an on-base percentage well above uh, 400 power. Hasn't really been there, but the guy just seems to, to hit the ball. And it seems like the Astros have done well, kind of finding that talent that the, the older talent, like the Justin Dearden, uh, Michael Sandel, Will Wagner, guys like that, and, and just finding good, good ball players, despite the record, what the record may show. And, and we'll kind of tell you why when we get down to the pitching, but offensively the, the tourists have kind of started to get things going. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting if those who, They've listened to us before, but Will Wagner's dad is Billy Wagner. And, yep. You know, Will Wagner's a second baseman. He might not flash the most power, but he's getting on base. You know, he's doing his job. There's a lot of, there's not really many pure second basemen still in baseball or even in the system and not many pure first basemen, but Will Wagner's showing himself to be a, a second baseman of the future. Yeah, definitely. And, and we'll jump down to the pitching. Adrian Chida is a guy we talked about. Uh, he was phenomenal in high A and then got that promotion to double A. I think he's pitching a couple games and struggled a little bit, but Jacob Coates, I know it's a guy you highlighted early before the season, uh, pitched well in low A's, got promoted to high A in, in four and a third innings. He struck out six already. He's the guy that's flashing that 97, 98, uh, pitches with a lot of fire, and so far things have been have been pretty solid for him. Yeah, he went undrafted uh, last year, pitched a little bit for Houston Baptist, Juco, battled a lot of injuries, um, never really found himself you know, scouted, and he kind of sent a video in to, to an Astro scout got himself a tryout. Um, the Angels were looking at him for a little bit. You know, he found himself with the Astros. They, the scout I talked to said, you know, we're not going to let the guy in our backyard sign with a competitor. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the guy that they want. And he's up in high A now. And like you said, six strikeouts in a four and a third innings. And when he was in low A, he had a 1.84 ERA through almost 15 innings. And he got that promotion. Uh, very humble guy. He was very excited. He told me about it. Um, just a guy to, to watch in the future. You know, he's 23 years old went undrafted and he could be a double a by next season yeah definitely and the the astros have a couple other guys down in high a that flash great potential the overall numbers there we talked about how tough of a place it is to pitch but chase mcdermott he was the i believe it was the fifth round pick last year 47 strikeouts and in 32 innings then you got spencer arigetti another 21 draft pick 45 strikeouts in 32 innings so two guys that have, have really flashed the strikeout i know Aragetti put something out on Instagram recently said he hit a new career high and his uh, fastball velocity was 98.2. So uh, a starter flashing 98 miles an hour is really nice to see. You look at the ERAs, they may not look pretty. They've walked some guys, but I think just seeing the, seeing the strikeouts and seeing what they can do pitching in a tough environment, like, like Asheville. I mean, I've, I've talked to some guys down there and it's like, you, you want to pitch around guys. Next thing you know, you end up walking a guy and then you give up one bomb and there's, there's three runs or something like that. So Kind of for me, I'm looking at the things that they're doing well. The strikeouts, such a high K per nine, you know. Um, but that's two guys down there that are fresh out of college that have shown something so far. Yeah, we don't really get to see ERA plus. We don't get to see these advanced metrics for these lower end uh, minor league teams. There's a lot of factors that go into that stuff. Like we talked about how it AAA, this, the ball flies, and it, just to see these guys kind of just striking batters out and they post. I know, like when you were talking about Eric Getty, I remember his post was like, "Is this 98 supposed to be good?" Right. And he was just kind of joking around with it because he knows he's pitching well, even though the ERAs for some of these starters may not look good. I think right. you just have to look beyond that. Uh, sure. he, you know, the eye test and just getting familiar with these ballparks are playing in is a little bit, it's a little hard to get used to. Um, but I guess that's what we're here for. Definitely. All right. So we'll jump down to low A. The Woodpeckers, they're 18 and 21, best team 
win win loss record uh, wise in the Astro system. And Tyler Whitaker, a guy that we were really excited to, to see him debut. He's got a 475 OPS through 37 games, but he does have a home run uh, in the last two games of the first two home runs of the season. So it looks like he might be starting to turn the corner. Logan Cerny, a guy I know you're really excited about, started out the season, uh, I mean, on fire, hitting, I think he had three home runs in the first week, and it's kind of slowed down. But you can still kind of see the, the the speed, the power, the wiry power that he has. We've seen that so far this year. But what's your take on those two outfitters? Yeah, those are the two guys that we saw them, like we were talking about the most, the two that were in the top 30 of a, a bunch of lists. And, you know, Tyler Whitaker, who was drafted as an outfielder at high school, there's going to be struggles early on. There might be some adjustments that he has to make at the plate in his stance and his swing and you know for Logan Cerny the guy who got he was the return for uh Garrett Stubbs from Philadelphia 661 OPS only five extra base hits this season a guy you probably would have hoped to see roping more doubles like you said he hasn't really had a home run in over a month uh just the power isn't really flashing there and I guess just out of that you know there's two guys who could play the outfield Whitaker's playing some more infield with that position addition third base shortstop uh but Quincy Hamilton a fifth round pick out of Wright State like another one of the another one of those outfielders that's in the right. lower end of the system, kind of an older guy, 22, 23 range, uh, 291 average, 885 OPS, playing well. A uh, guy that I probably kind of flew under the radar, even though he's a fifth round pick, because he's starting in, in single A, maybe a guy that could move up to high A. Yeah, and Joey Loperfito, another guy uh, drafted out of Duke, but he's had a really good season so far, hitting 293. A couple of guys that I think were definitely – um, ones for us to, to look at, you know, but yeah, Hamilton, uh, Loperfield, both, both guys really doing good. Uh, I know uh, he also had another home run the other day, but on the pitching staff, they do have a couple guys that have, have been, been fun to watch. And the main one is Alex Santos, you know, the Astros second round pick, the pick they got for Garrett Cole, leaving in New York, he's got 36 strikeouts in 30 innings, 3.90 ERA. But once again, I feel like it's tough to look at the ERA. Sometimes you got to look outing to outing. And it seems like he has more good outings than he has bad outings. And he, I know that his last outing, he struck out six over four innings. I think the one before that, he struck out maybe five over four scoreless. So he's trending in the right direction. You know, maybe he'll have a bad outing every now and then. But overall, he seems like a guy who hopefully will get a chance in high A at some point this year. And uh, given how tough that place is, pitchers, hopefully he'll be out of there quick and, and be into double A. Yeah, high school pitcher, you know, there's a big, big adjustment there. It's a second year in single A. We haven't really seen him exceed four or five innings pitched. Right. Uh, I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's just a younger guy. They're not going to stretch him out that much. Uh, maybe his pitch count is rising. I don't get to see all that stuff from the box score. But uh, Alex Santos, Santos just punching out batters. Uh, I, li- I like to point out that he's from the from the Bronx, and the Astros lost a pitcher to the Bronx to get him, mm-hmm. Garrett Cole. So definitely a, a fire, fire or a flamethrower, uh, strikeout guy that could be jumping up in the minors, jumping up the system the next two seasons. Yeah, one other guy I'll say we definitely need to keep an eye on is Carlos Calderon. Uh, 41 strikeouts and 31.1 innings so far this season, but he's kind of flashed same thing. He's had a couple rough outings, but he's had some outings where he looks really good. I know his outing just a couple nights ago, he went five innings, I think gave up three hits, no runs, eight strikeouts. So we've seen the positives there, 20-year-old pitcher. Bryant Salgado is another guy who's kind of shown some positives, 27 strikeouts, 25 innings. He's older, he's 22. But he's, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of been around the block a little bit, pitched at, I believe it was Oregon State, a guy who's kind of flashing good things. And those good things have seemed to come more recently. You know, the Woodpeckers are playing some really good baseball. Another 20-year-old, Edinson uh, Batista, another 20-year-old down in Fayetteville that's pitching well, uh, pretty good strikeout numbers. So they got some good arms, and they've started to show some of that. It, one guy I want to highlight, too, is Alan Barsanta, probably one of the more well-known single-A 
arms that people saw from right. spring from spring training baseball America highlighted him a few times but still on the injured list uh no word on why he's been on the injured list for so long I think he only had one start prior to it so definitely a guy to just if you're going to look at box scores and maybe look at transactions look out for his name see if he comes back uh that's a guy that you want to see kind of jump up in the system next year yeah definitely so now we'll go ahead and just jump down to some Twitter questions we asked on, the, on, on Twitter if anyone had any questions for the podcast. One we got here from uh, at RG4436. He says, when Jake comes back, and meaning Jake Myers, who stays up and who goes down or best bet to be traded? Uh, and how long till, we'll see, till we see Pedro Leone at the MLB level if he continues to improve? So, Kenny, I'll let you take a stab at that one first. Yeah, and I'll start off with who goes down. Um, but Jake Myers is probably going to be back before the trade deadline. Uh, he's probably going to start a rehab assignment here soon. I know Chandler Rome was talking about he's, he's taking back, like he's t- taking swings in the FCL. Hasn't started the rehab assignment yet, but he's you know working his way back. Took took some steps as a DH. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Jose Siri gets optioned. Uh, they're not they can't carry that many outfielders this year. Right. There's not enough optional players on the infield, and they can't cut another pitcher out of the. Uh, off the or off the 26 man roster i think once june starts it has to be 13 and 13 can't mess with that for the rest of the year it's not gonna be like last season where you could fluctuate it i know they dropped the bench bat last season but i think jose siri gets option uh it's his last option year available and by the time the trade deadline rolls around one of the three between mccormick siri and jake myers is probably gonna be dealt away yeah, and, and, and you know, they're going to have to, uh, assuming the Astros make some kind of trade at the deadline to either add a bat or a pitcher, you know, they're going to have to clear a 40 man spot anyway. So that uh, that definitely seems like the, the plausible way to go. As far as Pedro Leone and, and when we could see him, I think the Astros are going to want to see him cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. And, and then it just depends on where they want to play him in the field. If they, they played him at second base on Sunday, if they want to maybe use him as a utility guy, maybe they want to get him some more time at, at second and third or um, places like that. But if he keeps this up, this kind of power, the hard thing is McCormick and Myers last year, McCormick this year, they're not playing bad. You know, McCormick is an above average hitter. He's provides solid defense. I mean, I think uh, he's through his career, you know, almost at a full season, he's like a three war guy, which is a really good player. So, you know, you don't want to, you wouldn't want to cut McCormick just to let Leon get some at bats. But um, yeah, if, if Leon continues to play well, cut down the strikeouts a little bit and that average comes up a little bit more, Playing all over the field, maybe the Astros end up using him as a bench bat. That way, you know, you got the speed uh, as the stolen base threat, but then you can also play him wherever wherever you need him, basically. I think when rosters expanded 28 in September and early October, we'll definitely see him join the 40-man mm-hmm. roster at some point. Injuries are going to happen. Uh, I don't really know what's going to free open a spot for Leon by that time that rolls around. Maybe series off the roster, McCormick. Someone's going to get traded eventually, um, but if injuries do open a spot, he could join in the 28-man roster, see what he's – See what he can do. I don't think he makes the postseason roster if the Astros do keep up the, you know, their their winning ways and make it. Right. Yeah. So now we'll jump to the next question, and it's actually a three parter. So there's some some really good ones. So I'm going to ask the first one. I'll take a stab at it first. But it was the uh, undrafted free agent battle. Who debuts first, Justin Dearden or, or uh, Jonathan Sprinkle? And, and that's a good question. If you look at the stats right now, Dearden seems like he would be the favorite, right? Because he's, he's hitting so well, but. If Sprinkle turns things around, a relief pitcher has a better chance at debuting than maybe an outfitter, especially given the the Kyle Tucker and the Pedro Leon, the guys that maybe are in the pecking order above Justin Dearden. So I want to link Sprinkle just because he, you know, he has the chance to to be a, a sixth, seventh inning guy. I mean, we've seen guys like Andre Scrub and Seth Martinez get an opportunity, guys that maybe you wouldn't expect. I could see Sprinkle maybe getting an opportunity like that. So if I had to 
if I had to put money, maybe I would lean sprinkle, but that that's a good question. But this next one, I'm gonna I'll, I'll let you take a stab at first, Kenny. If the Astros don't extend Yuli, who emerges as the one-two punch there at first base? Is it uh, a Taylor Jones, JJ Matajevic, Luke Berryhill, or would they look to uh, acquire somebody? Uh, you know, before JJ Matajevic was added to the 40-man roster, I was like, I don't think there's a, a true spot for him on this team. I think mm-hmm. he might show show better. I don't know, versatility and a better role on another team. Like I was hinting the Boston Red Sox. They don't have a true first baseman. And, you know, through Yuli's struggles, I wasn't expecting him to be below 700 on his OPS. I know he's getting getting back up to a, right. you know, I guess he's progressing to the mean then regressing to the mean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point, uh, Taylor Jones, we haven't seen him in a while. You know, he's still injured, kind of kind of easing his way back into hitting. Um, but I think Yanir Diaz, uh, Yanir Diaz is picking up a lot of uh, first base innings, like we said at the beginning of the podcast. And I think he's a guy who could emerge as a replacement for Yuli one to two years. Yeah, for sure. And and then uh, there you mentioned, if he's still a, a suitable catcher, you know, he can catch him innings too. Uh, maybe take some some off of Barry Hill or Lee, whoever gets the opportunity at that point. Oh, speaking of, did you see uh, made his uh, MLB debut? He did. So, uh, yeah. I, I know he, he struck out twice, but, you know, he still got the debut, came up. Uh, I think it was Kirk Casale, got a concussion or he's on the concussion IL, so – the crazy way that happens, you know, gets traded and then bam, something immediately happens where he gets called up. So congrats to him. The uh, the next one, we kind of talked about this question, but the next one was uh, Abreu, Maton vying for that postseason 26 man. I think Maton is going to get on there after what we saw last year. But if the playoff started tomorrow, would you pitch Brown instead, even if it was in the pin? And, and I think we kind of hinted on that. I, I definitely would love to see Hunter Brown in the pin. I mean, I know he's got a little he's, – he's had some issue with the command, but, I mean, we saw what he did just yet, just on Saturday. Four innings out of, uh, in relief, no walks, no hits, no runs, five strikeouts. That's a guy I want in the pin in, uh, in, uh, in playoff baseball, especially given the velocity. You know, it's – when you get into the playoffs and you're facing those really good teams, it's nice to have the guys who can run it up there at that 97, 98. He's hit 99 this year, having those kind of guys in the bullpen. So, yeah, if the playoffs started tomorrow, I would, I would love to have Hunter Brown in the pin. Yeah, I think anyone would. I think everyone's calling for Hunter Brown to make the team of you know some way, you know, this season. Um, I do think Maton will kind of figure it out. His slider is just not looking like it was last season. Abreu, last year of options. It's gonna be interesting what what happens for the future of him. I don't think he's really progressed into what many believed he could be. Yeah. Um, I think they think two or three more innings could come out of him. And sometimes it's just maybe we could see him in a closer role. I know he throws hard, right. but for Brownie, he comes after hitters. Um, yeah. He's not going to pitch around you. He's going to throw that fastball. He's going to test you. And I think that's something that could on, obvi- or honestly be something to, to view for the postseason. Yeah, and, and for people who haven't actually seen Hunter Brown pitch, he pitches like – I mean, he's a dog. You know, you see him on the mound, and, and uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to probably rub some people the wrong way, in, in a good way for Astros fans. But he gets up there. He, you know, he gives a, he, he kind of gets his turnaround on the mound after he strikes the guys out. I mean, it's something about the, the swag, the vibe you just kind of got to see. But yeah, he pitches with a lot of aggression and it, it's fun to watch. So Astros fans will be pleased when he gets the opportunity. But Kenny, let's go ahead and get into the trivia. I'll ask you mine first because it's pretty basic. And I know you probably got a really good one. All right. But do you know who appeared in the most games as a pitcher in the most games last year in the Astros system? Was he ever reassigned or promoted? Or did he do it all in one team? He did it. He did it. He did it all with one team. And it was, and it was all in in 2021. One team didn't get promoted or demoted or anything like that. Is it Joe record? Nope. You want to take one more guess? Yeah. Oh, can I get a hint? All right. Uh, Oh, Skeeters. I mean, I guess they were Skeeters at the time, but yeah, it was a Skeeter. Oh, so obviously a reliever. Um, Yeah. That's why I guessed Joe. Yep. 
because I would have thought he got the most in double A. Uh, reliever last year. Is he still in the org? He's still in the organization. Uh, he made his MLB debut this year. He's back down with the Space Cowboys now. One more hint. He was their closer last year. Nope, nope. He was their oh, closer last year. Closer last year. Who is it? Ronel Blanco. Ronel Blanco. Oh, yep. okay. Pitched in that 42 games last year, 22 saves for the Space Cowboys. So, Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yep. I, forgot I know that he kind of went under the radar. Had a, re- yeah. a pretty good season in AAA as a closer, and not a lot of people knew about him. And, you know, he, he, we got to see him make his debut this year, and he'll probably he'll probably get an opportunity. But he's pitching good down in uh, down in AAA again. So, I, my, my other guess was going to be Michael Kelly. My, not a lot of people remember oh, yeah. him, yeah. but he was on a one-year deal. He pitched a lot. Seth Martinez yeah. pitched a see, lot. I, right. And when I, yeah. I, I researched the question, the first answer I thought I was going to give, like if someone asked me, would have been like, man, I probably would have said like maybe like Jonathan Sprinkle because, you know, he mm-hmm. pitched in three different levels and it seemed like he was always on the mound. He was at like 31 appearances and, and Blanco was at 42. Sprinkle's probably about maybe like number 10 on the list or something like that. Yeah. And Blanco pitched uh, the last few last few games with him yep. i can't believe i forgot that because that was the claim <laughs> to fame that i always saw in the game notes was that he was the, like the best closer in the triple a triple a yeah. west so nice um so my mine's a little complicated all right uh, we're gonna see i knew it so, that's why, that's yeah. why I was <laughs> so in 20 or no in 1991 oh, the houston astros purchased what is now the corpus christi hooks the double a affiliate of the houston astros and from 2004 to 2001, what was the name of the double affiliate? Oh, was man. It, it's not the hooks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the hooks first year was like, Oh five. Right. Yeah. I think the hooks first year was Oh five, I believe. So, okay. Not the hooks. All right. So 94 to wait, you said it was a uh, 2000 to 2004. Okay. Who was their double a affiliate? It, it's the same. It's the same team. It just had a different name and it was sure. in a different city. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to think back to some of the teams that they had back. So I think the New Orleans Zephyrs were a triple A AAA team, right? They were, yes. They were the Astros triple A team. All right. For a while, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if it's not them, was it a Texas team? Yeah. Okay. Was it was it the was it a round rock team? It was. Okay. So, but it wasn't the Express, right? I mean, that's a different it was the Express. They so changed it was, it was the, the same to- name and everything? Yep. So oh, in 2000, let me read this. Okay. So in 2000, oh, so 2000, I'm not going to give you the other name because that's going to be your second part of the trivia. Okay. All in right. 2000, they moved to Round Rock and became the Express. In 2005, they moved to Corpus Christi, became the Hooks. Okay. And then the 2005 Round Rock Express became the AAA affiliate until 2010. So gotcha. it, they changed the name, but they also kept the team there, but moved the official franchise to Corpus Christi in 2005. So you're a saying confusing. So, but, so their previous double A team was round rock, but it wasn't yeah. the express, but it's, so it's a different express team. It's like the Cleveland. Oh, Browns okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Franchise gotcha. Again. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So there's two more parts to this. All right. In nights from 1991 and 1999, what were the Corpus Christi hooks called? Oh, they geez. played in Jackson, Mississippi. Golly. I have no clue. Uh, uh, the Jackson Generals. Damn. I would have never. I don't. I've yeah, never heard that. One. I learned that's that today. <laughs> um, but okay, this is your last one. All right. Who owned it? It had a bunch of different names during this time. Uh, it was the Jackson Generals. So the the hooks were the Round Rock Express, Jackson Generals, Jackson Blank, Victoria Toros, Memphis Blues. There was a bunch of different names for this mm-hmm. team. 
uh, who owned the Jackson Generals, who owned the Corpus Christi Hooks before the Houston Astros? There's only one team. So I think <sighs> Rangers? No. Okay. If I had to guess another team, I'm trying to think like local, like it would be a team that maybe would have some kind of ties to Texas and or Mississippi. Oh, man. Say the Braves. It's the Mets. Oh, wow. The most, like, probably one of the furthest teams away yeah. owned a team in Jackson, Mississippi, in Victoria. So it's just huh. a very interesting interesting tidbit there. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Man, that's, so that's a really good trivia question. I'm, I'm going to have to be very prepared next time. <laughs> you throw throwing something <laughs> yeah. like that at me. So... All right, guys. Well, I appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode. If you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros in the minor league system.